My name is Erin Kenny, and I'm a registered dietitian, holistic cannabis practitioner, and master of nutrition science. Welcome to my podcast, Nutrition Rewired, where I share cutting-edge practical advice to improve your health and debunk myths to help you rewire the way you think about nutrition and wellness. In today's episode, I'm going to tell you why you should care about your gut health, especially if you're looking to improve your digestion, improve your mood, lose weight, improve your body composition, increase your immune function, have better sexual health and hormone balance, and reduce your risk of chronic disease. I'm also going to leave you with my top five tips that you can start incorporating today to improve your gut health. So what is the gut microbiome? Gut bacteria are called microbiota, and this term covers all of the microorganisms and viruses associated with the human gastrointestinal tract. This tract starts in our mouth, goes through our esophagus to our stomach, and then to our small intestine and large intestine and out through the colon. The microbiome refers to the genetic makeup of the microbiota. It's kind of like talking about the DNA of the bugs in our gut. These bacteria that live in our gut are in a symbiotic relationship with us. That means that when they're happy and in balance, we're happy and in balance. Now, what impact does the gut have on our health? As you heard in the beginning intro, I talked about mood. I talked about sexual health and hormone balance. I talked about weight loss. And that's because all of these things are directly connected to the gut. The bacteria in our gut are responsible for development and training of the immune system. Over 70% of our immune cells actually live in the gastrointestinal tract. The bacteria teach our immune systems how to behave, and this starts the second that we're born. Our gut bacteria are also responsible for digestion and absorption of nutrients and minerals. You are not what you eat, you're what you absorb. If you have an unhealthy gut bacterial composition, you can't actually extract what you need from the food that you're eating. The gut bacteria themselves also synthesize vitamins K2, B12, folate, and thiamine. So if you don't have bacteria that do this, you're going to be deficient in certain minerals and nutrients. If you're taking a medication, our gut bacteria are going to determine how well we not only activate, but metabolize that medication. And this can help explain why some people need different dosages or why some people react differently to the same medication. As a mental health advocate, this is probably one of my favorite topics to talk about, and that is the role of your gut bacteria with the nervous system. The brain and the gut are connected through the vagus nerve, also the enteric nervous system, and the gut-brain axis. Now, your gut microbiota actually interact with your central nervous system to regulate your brain chemistry. How cool is that, that your gut bacteria can actually affect your response to stress, anxiety, and even your memory? Scientists have found that gut bacteria produce neurotransmitters like serotonin, dopamine, those are the two hormones that we know make us feel really good and really calm, as well as GABA, which is another neurotransmitter that is responsible for, if we have adequate levels, making us feel less anxious. So these all play a huge role in mood, and many antidepressants increase levels of these same compounds. Now that we know that the gut has a direct impact and actually stores some of these compounds, these neurotransmitters, we can see how, how influential they are on our mood. 
For those who are concerned about body composition or weight loss, our gut bacteria are determining how we store fat, how we use carbohydrates, and overall just how fast our metabolism is. And there's some really cool research that has been done not only in animal models, but also in human models. They identified a specific network of genes that are in your gut bacteria that are associated with being either obese or being lean. You might think, well, okay, great. So it's, it's my genetics and I can't control it. But think again, you can alter the expression of your genes by changing your diet and therefore your gut bacterial composition. Researchers have also found certain strains of bacteria to promote fat storage. They found in animal studies, they did a microbiota transfer from one mouse to another, and they were able to observe differences in body fat gain. And this was regardless of how many calories they were consuming. So if you kind of think about this, you've got two mice, you've got mice that are obese and mice that are lean, and you transfer the gut bacteria of the obese individual into the lean individual, and they're being fed the exact same diet, that lean individual, now that their gut composition has changed, they are now storing fat regardless of how many calories. So the bottom line is that your gut bacteria can determine your body composition and speed of your metabolism. When we think of bone health, we typically connect it with calcium and vitamin D, but we don't often connect it to our gut bacteria. There's a lot of really cool research coming out right now, and I'm closely following it, but let's start with the more obvious connection between our gut bacteria and our bones. Our gut bacteria synthesize vitamin K. Vitamin K is an essential vitamin for bone health. Now to the more interesting links that are being looked at in research. In animal models, exposing animals to bacterial infections or toxins that causes leaky gut, which is basically a state of inflammation in your gut, they found that this led to bone erosion. Now researchers already know this from studies that have been done in humans in patients with inflammatory bowel disease. The question here is what is the mechanism behind how the bacteria or the leaky gut or the inflammation in the gut is associated with this bone loss? When researchers implemented a lactobacillus bacteria into mice models, it not only reduced inflammation, but it actually caused the mice to gain bone mass. Now, this is a pretty wild finding because we've always been taught that you get to a certain point in your life where you have your peak bone mass density, and then from there on out, the goal is really just to minimize the amount of bone you lose because you can never actually build on up after that. So pretty interesting stuff. A study from 2016 in estrogen deficient mice showed that estrogen deficiency causes the gut to become more permeable to gut bacteria and their products. Now, this is tying in hormones to our gut health. If we have hormonal imbalance, then we're more susceptible to having a permeable gut, meaning things can cross the gut. Now, when things are leaking through our gut, they're passing into the bloodstream where they shouldn't be. This is stimulating our immune system, traveling to our bone marrow, producing cytokines, which are basically markers of inflammation. And this ultimately is what causes bone loss. This is the proposed mechanism and what they're seeing. And the last research article I looked at was done at Purdue University, a study conducted in postmenopausal women that showed 
implementing soluble corn fiber, which is a prebiotic, meaning it feeds your good bacteria in the gut, it was able to stave off the usual rate of bone loss, meaning it was able to slow the progression of bone loss. So I'm really glad to see that researchers are dedicating a lot of efforts to recognize the impact of our gut health on our gut microbiome. Our gut also protects us from pathogens. Plain and simple, your gut bacteria keeps toxins from passing through the intestinal wall into your bloodstream. When these toxins pass through our gut into our bloodstream, we faced a whole host of health issues. And the last connection between our gut microbiome and our health, which I could go on for days about the connections, but these are really the main ones that I'm focusing on, is the promotion of angiogenesis, which is making new blood vessels. Some of the normal situations where we make new blood vessels is important to note because it's necessary, including repairing wounds and formation of the placenta during pregnancy. A healthy gut microbiome, equals healthy new blood vessels. Now, what are some of the things that impact our gut microbiome? The first one that I'm going to talk about is the method of birth. So this is a C-section versus a vaginal birth. Some studies show that you have as much as a 20% higher risk of type 2 diabetes, asthma, and increased risk of obesity if you're born via C-section compared to those who are born vaginally. Now, on my intake form with my clients, I always ask what their method of birth was, and it's quite interesting to find, as it aligns with research, that people who are born via C-section tend to have more gut issues, and those gut issues might not be as obvious symptoms like gas, bloating, diarrhea, things like that, but they are more susceptible to maybe mood disorders or skin disorders, things like that. And I'm sure this one comes as no surprise to you that the food that you eat impacts your gut bacteria. Your gut bacteria is unique to you. This means that a diet high in carbohydrates might work for you and make you feel really good. It might improve your bowel movements. You might find that when you go on a low-carb diet, you get really constipated. And your friend might do really, really well on a high-fat diet. So diet really needs to be individualized and personalized to your gut microbiome and also to you just as a person. But the changes in diet that we see with the gut bacteria is in as short as 24 hours, you can see a change in your gut bacteria just by changing something that you ate. And this is important to note when you see all those fancy tests about, you know, test your gut microbiome and we'll personalize your diet. You need to be really careful with those because they're just measuring the composition of bacteria that are physically there versus measuring the DNA of that bacteria, which is what we refer to as the microbiota. So save your money on those fancy tests that claim to personalize your nutrition based on your gut. The GI map, which I offer in my practice, is the gold standard. And again, that is measuring the DNA of your microbiota. So what are the signs that your gut is not doing so well? There are the more obvious signs like diarrhea, constipation, bloating, gas. I have so many patients who come to me after getting a diagnosis of irritable bowel syndrome. Mood disorders, anxiety, depression, Food sensitivities, maybe you're noticing that you were typically never sensitive to a certain food, and now all of a sudden, every time you eat it, you really don't feel well. 
Skin conditions like eczema, psoriasis, and acne. Our skin is our largest organ in the body, and when the gut is unhealthy, this is typically how it presents itself. Chronic fatigue, brain fog, inability to concentrate, these are all symptoms of unhealthy gut. Difficulty losing or gaining weight. I have a lot of clients who come to me with the goal of weight loss, and they've tried everything. They've reduced their calories, but if you do not have a smooth digestive system and a healthy gut, you will not lose weight. So once we heal that gut, the weight will do its thing. Then we have autoimmune disease. As I mentioned, 70% of our immune system is located in our gut. So it's no surprise that there is a strong link between gut health and autoimmune disease. So now that you know all about gut health, you're probably wondering, okay, well, how can I improve mine? Number one tip is to add probiotic and prebiotic rich foods into your diet. Probiotics are the bacteria. Prebiotics are the food for the bacteria. Probiotic-rich foods includes things like fermented vegetables, fermented dairy products like kefir, miso is a fermented soy, kombucha is a fermented tea, sauerkraut, yogurt, and cheese. Those are my top favorite sources of probiotics. Now, prebiotics are basically foods that are high in fiber. So think fruits and vegetables. Some in particular, garlic, onions, apples, bananas, tomatoes, cucumbers, carrots, beans, lentils. Honestly, pretty much just think fruits and vegetables. The more variety that you can get, the better. If you're a male, aim to get at least 35 grams of fiber a day. If you're a woman, 25 grams a day. My second tip is to get enough sleep each night. I did my thesis on sleep when I got my master's in nutrition, and I found that seven to eight hours a night is pretty optimal for most people. You might need more. It's unlikely that you need less. Some people can, yes, function on less, but optimal for gut health is seven to eight hours a night. Third tip is to let your gut rest. Intermittent fasting has become really popular nowadays, and a lot of that is due to the fact that this is giving your body rest and it's giving it time to regenerate. Same goes for your gut. Now, this doesn't mean that you have to start intermittent fasting, and intermittent fasting is not good for a lot of people. What this means when I say let your gut rest, figure out how much time you can leave either between meals or your last meal of the day and breakfast that's going to allow you to feel energized, less sluggish, less bloated, and find your optimal meal timing. Number four is to eat organic. Now, I know that eating organic is not always feasible, especially because organic food typically costs more. I'm saying to choose fruits and vegetables that are among the dirty dozen. If you go to ewg.org and look up the dirty dozen, these are the foods that contain higher amounts of pesticides. These are the ones that you should try to buy organic whenever possible. And then the clean 15 are the ones that you can typically not really care as much about because they are the lowest in pesticides. Always choose wild caught fish and organic meat and seafood. Number five is get enough omega-3 fatty acids. Omega-3 fatty acids are a type of fat that our body cannot make on their own, meaning we have to get them from diet. They make the gut microbiome more diverse and are associated with decreased rates of inflammation in the body. This is going to promote a healthy gut bacteria. To get your omega-3s, you want to eat wild-caught fish two to three servings a week, high 
fat wild caught fish include mackerel, salmon, cod liver oil, herring, oysters, sardines, anchovies, and caviar. You might be thinking, I hate fish, especially those fish. Um, Not everybody loves sardines. They're one of my favorite superfoods. But if you don't like these fish, then you should take a supplement. And I'm a big fan of Nordic Naturals. And lastly, if you have not already purchased my Rewire Your Gut book, it is a great resource for anybody to have. It includes gut healing recipes, a sample meal plan, as well as evidence-based information on how to begin healing your gut today. I've had so much great feedback from this book. People have improved their bowel movements just from following it for a week. I've got messages about how they've used the pantry staples guide and they've said, oh my gosh, I have none of these in my pantry and they've revamped all of the items in their household. I've had people try different recipes and absolutely love them that contain different prebiotics and probiotic foods. So overall, just a really amazing resource to have. You can get this at nutritionrewired.com, which is where you can also sign up to work one-on-one with me to optimize your gut health and receive highly personalized nutrition coaching. So thanks for tuning in today. This is just the first of many episodes and I look forward to sharing the health with you.